You're listening to the Insights at Work podcast, one of North America's top HR resources that looks at what's happening in the HR world, takes your questions, and studies the research to help HR experts move forward. It's prepared by HR experts for HR experts. Our guests today find themselves on both sides of the recruitment equation. With extensive backgrounds in technology and recruitment, Mark Witten and Maurice Fernandez regularly present to international HR leaders about today's most effective recruiting tactics. In their day-to-day roles, Mark and Maurice are employer engagement specialists with Ryerson University, one of Canada's top STEM institutions, where they act as professional career matchmakers between the best and brightest students and today's top employers. In this episode of Insights at Work, Jeff, Maurice, and Mark discuss how to develop a campus recruitment strategy, the values graduating students appreciate, and the big no-nos in campus recruiting. Was Whitney Houston right when she said she believed that children are our future? If we teach them well, will they lead the way? Let's find out with today's episode of the Insights at Work podcast. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of the Insights at Work podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Livingston, and I'm so excited about tackling today's topic. With the great realization here and the extreme limitations brought on by the pandemic, HR professionals have had to come up with creative ways to reach candidates. So the team at the Insights at Work podcast thought it would be great to put together a how-to episode on the tactics required to reach the talent of tomorrow, that being our college and university graduates. Joining us today from Ryerson University are the dynamic duo of campus recruiting, Mark Witten and Maurice Fernandez. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Now, for those listeners who might not be familiar with both of your work, how about you fill them in? Thanks for hosting us, Jeff. Uh, My name is Maurice Fernandez, and I'm a career education specialist supporting the Faculty of Science at uh, our institution. Um, I've been with uh, the institution for four years now, uh, but prior to that, I spent 20 years in HR recruitment, specifically in, in tech fields. Um, and yeah, and I'm here with uh, Mark, who will uh, allow to introduce himself. Yeah, thanks, Maurice. And echoing what he said, thanks for having us, Jeff. So my name is Mark Witten. I am the manager of employer engagement at the Career and Co-op Center at Ryerson. Uh, very similar career path to Maurice. Uh, I've been at Ryerson now for just over three years, but prior to that, I spent about 16 years in enterprise technology sales and then made the very obvious choice to move into post-secondary institutions. So thanks again for having us here. So it's interesting because Maurice and I, we used to work together and Maurice, he was this great uh, recruiter and he worked at part of our recruitment outsourcing part of the business. And he would, I know he, you know, he had a real passion for campus recruiting. So Maurice, it's just so great to have you on the podcast and to see you again after all these years. Appreciate it, Jeff. Yeah, it's been it's been great and how my life's kind of like gone full circle now. And I'm working with uh, one of our campus partners uh, at our that we worked with at our past uh, in our past uh, career life. So, yeah. So let me start with with the obvious question. Why leverage campuses when recruiting? Sure. Yeah, that's I think the question that's probably on everybody's mind today. Um, There's a couple of key reasons, to be honest with you. I mean, the first one and probably the most important is that most institutions out there, not just Ryerson, will have a campus specific job board that you can leverage in addition to posting on your usual channels like corporate websites, LinkedIn, Indeed, um, wherever you put your job positions up. 
The second thing is that we also have internal channels that we can use to promote your opportunities. Maurice's team uh, has a newsletter that goes out every single week. We also have social media groups that we can post onto. Um, the next thing is that a lot of people that reach out to me are trying to get connected with student groups and student groups can be very, very challenging to to connect with mainly because of the fact that they have very high turnover rates. Um, these groups can be program specific. They can be from equity seeking communities, um, but we are typically a little more in tune with them and who the people are that we can connect you with. Uh, the last thing that I think is really key is that we can make you aware of tax credits and subsidies that are available to you, um, particularly when you hire co-op students. Full disclosure, we are not going to help you get those tax credits or subsidies, but we can at least make you aware of them. Um, I would say those are kind of the four key things um, that are relevant why you should leverage campuses and our team uh, when you are doing your early talent recruitment. So, Mark, it sounds like you're the liaison between the recruiter the hr team of a company and those university students those college students that's correct yes yeah. so my team doesn't support our students on our on their one-to-one -one career journey that is definitely maurice's team uh, being career education uh, we kind of straddle the fence between the students the employer partners that we work with and the faculty so we primarily are supporting those employer partners that are looking to engage with our students whether it's for hiring them experiential learning uh, or just looking to engage with them in general awesome so maurice because you're working one-on-one -on -one with the students do you see like future trends that come up where you've got, you know, you can play a bit of a role in, in giving a reality check to students saying, hey, maybe you guys really want to focus in this part of your education. So you're meeting the needs of, of uh, what HR recruiters are looking for? Yeah, definitely we will talk about that and, and like what are some of the trends, especially when it comes to labor uh, and the labor market. Right now the labor market's a little bit, uh, wonky is probably one of the best words I'd use for it. But uh, yeah, so it's a lot of that. It's a lot of demystifying some of like, you know, some of the preconceived notions that students will come in when it comes to like looking for work, uh, networking, the importance or not, or the non-importance of a cover letter, right? How long should a resume really be? And um, my role is really to kind of pull back the curtain through my experiences um, when, you know, to kind of like break down, well, when HR or a recruiter or a hiring manager asks you this question, here's what you really want to hone in on, right? And so it's really working with the students on that and just sharing my lived experiences and my experiences of having recruited across a lot of campuses and recruiting into intern programs uh, with the student, uh, the student groups and even faculty as well. So I've actually worked with some faculty members for some career uh, related courses that will prepare our students for um, not just the current labor market, but future labor market. So at the Career and Co-op Center, um, our motto is build careers for life. So that's what really we focus in on, right? So then that really prepares the student for any of those pivots and, and, and that wild ride that is, you know, the labor market. So what are those top tips that an HR professional needs to know uh, before they start reaching out. The very first thing that I can say is that you want to engage as often and as much as your bandwidth allows. We know that not every organization out there is going to have a dedicated HR team and a lot of them definitely will not have a dedicated campus recruitment team, um, but we have opportunities that we can bring forward to our employer partners and that will allow you to connect with students from both hiring capacity as well as thought leadership and knowledge transfer. Uh, so engage as often as your bandwidth allows because of the fact that 
you want to get your brand recognized on campus. Those folks that are in their first year of university, you know, eventually they're going to be the potential hires that you're going to bring into your organization. Uh, that kind of leads into the next tip that I would say, don't just participate in events that have a hiring outcome as the goal. Um, a lot of these students are looking for knowledge and they're looking for suggestions and advice from you as professionals in your world. So they're trying to get an understanding of, hey, what can I do with my my degree? Where can that take me in my career? Um, so yeah, a lot of thought, knowledge and leadership you know, in that particular respect is, is definitely very beneficial. You can also diversify your on-campus events. I mean, a lot of folks are going to be familiar with career fairs. They're going to be familiar with information sessions. But we also have stuff like hackathons, and we have things where students can participate in mock interviews to practice before they actually get into an actual interview. And the last thing that I would say is that you have to be cognizant of accommodations that students might might need. Uh, they're not professionals. They haven't been in the working world for a long time. Um, campuses are extremely diverse. We have adult learners. We have first-generation students. We have students with disabilities that may be visible or invisible. So we want to make sure that anything that you're doing with respect to engaging with students, it's accessible and it's inclusive. You brought up a really couple of great points and one was sponsoring those events. And it's almost like a brand building exercise. Back in the early days when I was in, in campus recruitment, uh, my previous employer, it wasn't always about having those opportunities and being part of those big career first because we were just starting out. So we actually didn't have a well-developed internship program. So what we, instead, what, what we did was like, okay, is there anything else we can support you on? Like a mock interview session, or maybe you want students to have somebody review resumes at like a resume roast type of event, right? So these are really small ways. And I guess like trickle campaign ways that you're always like, you always find a way to be on campus once a, a month or once a semester. So that way, when the students like do see you on campus, they're like, oh, we know you from that uh, institution or that company. And we remember you came in and gave us some really good advice. Let's go talk to you. Right. And so those are great ways to kind of always like to Mark's point, stay on top of mind uh, for the students during academic journey or throughout the academic journey. So it's not always showing up with like, I've got jobs and I've got internships and I've got co-op work placements, right? It's other ways of, of engaging with student talent um, that, you know, will maybe be long play um, uh, recruitment type results, right? And you'll see in the future. And do you see success uh, with businesses of all sizes from small business to enterprise? We, we work with organizations that are just starting out. They might have one or two employees and they have very grandiose ideas and they just need some early talent to help kind of get them to the next stage. We work with mid-sized organizations that are looking to break into those, you know, enterprise realms. And we work with very well-established, what I would call marquee brands that are, you know, very attractive and well-known to students that are out there. Um, so yeah, we work with all levels, all sizes, uh, all various different complexities. So across the board, we'll work with any employer. You know, it's interesting because I remember uh, when I was doing my MBA in the first year of the, my MBA was a two year program. Uh, I was partnered up with a company and uh, we developed this great relationship with them. They were a very small company. They were publicly traded, but they were very small. I ended up going to Europe with them um, and doing some business development in Europe and launching a marketing, some strategy and, and a campaign with them. And it's funny because I, I continued, I did all of my projects for the MBA with that company. So not only did they benefit from my team 
of coming up with ideas and brainstorming with them and coming up with strategy and research in year one, but I kept using them for, for other classes. I think too, just to build upon that, like sometimes we're with employers too, and again, I'll go back to like my past where I was, you know, we were trying to carve ourselves in the tech space and niche for ourselves in this tech space, but then our brand wasn't as well known as like some of the larger tech players. So, but, you know, going to those events and actually I was always asked for the booth in between the two big tech giants. So then that way uh, <laughs> at the career fair, like the students automatically, like I would get the spillover or the runoff from like, you know, the lines of being really long. I, like my, my company would get like the students just kind of curiously just popping in or while waiting them for the line so I could be able to uh, promote our, our story. And the other thing too, then the student still associates you with like, oh, you were at that event with that well-known tech firm. Therefore, you must be a player in that space, right? So the students will make the attraction. So I think for the for your for your uh, listeners who may be a smaller company or maybe not as established in that market that they're trying to break into or not as well-known, um, this is a great opportunity for them to instantly develop that brand and continue to build on that brand. So it's a strategy I used all the time and it worked out really well for us. Maurice, because I know you're super engaging and you'd be great at those career fairs and like talking with the students and the soon to be graduates. As part of the HR team, I could see you being there, but would you like suggest other team members so they get a good representation of who works in the company? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the one of the things that we see that may not always work out is if you only bring HR and recruiters to the event. Now, get, don't get me wrong. If you're if you're looking to build out your HR team and you're looking to bring on some really talented HR co-ops or interns, absolutely. But you also need equally as engaged folks from other job functions that you're recruiting for specifically, right? Um, we would probably argue that you you avoid bringing like senior leadership unless, of course, that intern co-op student or you guys going to report directly into that C-suite or senior leadership. But it's really to bring in peers, right? Um, and and the direct supervisor, because the students like the student wants to know what's it really like working with that group. Um, for some, it might be more of a case of being able to relate easier with those folks too. Um, and so when you're putting together your campus like event or recruitment like dream team, if you will, your brand ambassadors, right? You always want to start off with like recent grads and recent grads or alumni from the institution that you're going to, because in that way, it's really easy for a your team to you know have a conversation with the students because like, oh, is that course still being offered? Oh, is so-and-so teaching that course? And that instant rapport is there, right? And for the students, they have an instant, it's more of a warm introduction, right? Because it can be sometimes intimidating for them. Um, but you know, like if you're, when you're putting your team together, right, you definitely want the folks that are doing the job. You want the folks that are, uh, recent alumni or recent grads from that target institution. I don't know if Mark, if there's anything you had to build on that. No, I mean, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, there's the questions that we're typically going to get are twofold. One is going to be, what are the perks of working at your company? What are the benefits? What's the culture like? So you want to have HR representation that can give that broad scope overview of what the organization is like. But in the same respect, you're going to have questions about, hey, what are the nitty gritty details of the work that I'm going to be doing? 
If I'm an engineer, what kind of processes and practices and technology do you have in place? Uh, but 100% agree with what Marie said about also bringing in alumni because they've walked the same halls, they've taken the same courses, and and just going back to what Marie said, it just creates that instant rapport, uh, and you know it really just lets them feel a level of comfort in asking questions that they might not feel comfortable asking a C-suite executive or someone that may potentially be perceived as a little intimidating given their status in the company. Absolutely. Now, Mark, you brought up earlier, you're talking about diversity and you're talking about how you also have mature students. Um, are there any, do you have any tips on how to reach those mature students? I know when I back, when I went back to school, I was 30 and um, it was great. One of my favorite experiences of all time. I don't know if I would be attending career fairs. Uh, so do you have any tips on how to reach those mature students? Because we know that they're all out there. Sure, absolutely. I mean, when it comes to our mature students, there's there's a couple of different reasons why someone decides to go back and, and kind of level up their education. I mean, the first one is maybe they're making a career pivot. They're not necessarily happy with what the work they've been doing for the past couple of years, and they want to make 100% change. One of the, the biggest misconceptions that I hear about mature students is that when they go back, that they won't be interested or willing to take a quote-unquote lower paying job that's not the case a lot of the times our mature students recognize that hey i may have experience but in the same respect i don't have experience in this particular field so a lot of them will be open to those those roles that you may consider junior but for someone that's doing a career pivot it's new to them and it's something exciting that they want to get engaged with um, we also communicate directly with our mature students. They do attend career fairs. They do attend events that we host. They are more than willing to engage with you as an employer partner in many, many different facets. So, you know, the, the biggest difference is that this is an individual that has a few years experience under their belt in the professional world. Um, so you're still kind of thinking of them, of them as a student. Uh, it's just a different way of approaching them. But for the most part, it's just like engaging with any other student. It's just this particular individual has some real world work experience under their belt. Now, Mark, you also mentioned how diverse campuses are. Is there any great ways, any great tips that you have how to tailor your approach to those diverse cultures? That is uh, a question that we get asked a lot of the time. I think number one, it's it's if you're looking to engage with diverse groups on campus, it's understanding you know what groups do we have within our current organization right now? Do we have um, user resource groups? Do we have um, things that are set up for equity and seeking groups like the LGBTQ plus community or you know things along those lines? It's really about understanding you know what resources do we currently have inside and speaking with those people that you currently have at your organization to tailor your approach. Um, one of the things that we often see is that organizations may have the best intentions when it comes to reaching diversity groups, uh, but they don't have something publicly up on their website that says, hey, you know, these are the resources that we have available to you. These are the programs that we have available to you. Um, and Maurice, I don't know if you have anything else that you want to throw onto that question as well. Yeah, I think um, for me, I'd like build on a couple of things you said. So actually going back to um, the mature students, like I think one is getting your campus teams and brand ambassadors to really hone in on the value of past experiences, right? How can your past experience, whether it's in a different industry or just a different career path, how, how can we value that here at our, at our company or institution? Um, to build upon your your question about engaging with our uh, equity seeking um, groups on campus and students, right? I think one is 
and sometimes this falls on HR and I think, uh, and, and it shouldn't always be that way, but like talking about the culture, right? Like what is it um, for, you know, it's one thing for your HR and recruiters to talk culture, but it's another within the team, the supervisor, your hiring managers, anybody that's gonna engage with the students to really understand what it means to live these cultures, right? Because the students are looking at those things on your website, right? They're coming to me in one-on-ones and saying, well, during the interview process, how do I know that they truly live culture acts, right? How do I know I can truly bring myself? Because we've been seeing this, like everybody talks about, yeah, we hire for culture, but culture is also being weaponized, right? Oh, person doesn't fit our culture. But what really we should be focusing on is how does this student, uh, how does this uh, individual add to our culture? So how are you training? So how is the hiring manager, supervisor, or peer, like culture acts, how does your team live that? Like, so your team really needs to be able to talk about that. And it can't be just a regurgitation of what's on the website. Like what does it truly mean to live this culture here? Another thing that you also, that I would also like, you know, counsel your, your listeners to is like, think about how do you create safe spaces for these individuals, right? Mark talk, talked about a lot about like, you know, the employer resource groups. Do you have employer resource groups, right? If you're coming onto campus, is your team truly representative of the diversity within your organization? Right? Are you going and speaking at events that are organized by our equity seeking groups on campus? Are they representative? Like, are you, you know, that's also super important, right? It's, it's also, it's a lot of a, like, what you don't say that, sh that stands out too, right? Um, students are looking at our, at your clients on social media. They may not be engaging with it, with their content, but they're definitely learning about you through what you're posting, especially when it comes to social impact issues, right? So my recommendation is like, be prepared to talk about some of the corporate social responsibility projects you have how you're positively contributing to social impact issues that are affecting us today, right? Whether it's climate change, whether it's social justice, right? Um, you know, these are things that are outside of the job description, right? Um, but they are really important to these groups, right? And our students as well, right? Because this is exactly what they're looking for and really understand that they're going, they wanna know that they're going into a safe space where they can truly be themselves. Maurice, you beat me to the punch. My next question was going to be, how important is showing a company's purpose and their values to that student community? I think, I think it's extremely important, but I think, you know, we're really kind of sets you apart is if you can tie why we're here on campus, why we're hiring for this internship, why we're hiring for this co-op workplace, and why we're hiring for this new grad or entry level position. How is that tied to our mission, vision, and value, right? How is it truly tied, right? What, and, and then beyond that, right, what are some of the areas for that student to grow into this opportunity and within your organization, right? Because like the student and hopefully your clients or your, your listeners know that like the student shouldn't be in that role forever, right? Like you're not going to hire an intern for the rest of their career, right? So how can you make it so that they get a truly meaningful experience for themselves that yes, if they move on, hopefully they move on within your organization through internal mobility, or they go back, finish their studies and come back to you. But when they leave, at least they tell their friends, colleagues, peers, even their professors about how positive an experience it was to them. So I think it's always really about like, you know, tying it back to like, we brought you in for this role because this is the importance that we put on this role. Like this is how it affects the larger 
uh, picture. Are there any other tips that an HR professional, after they get off the podcast today listening to this, they'd be like, okay, this is what I need to do to be successful at campus recruitment? There's definitely a couple of things that you can do. So the very first thing, and we kind of touched on this already, is identifying any alumni or recent grads at your organization from the school that you're engaging with. So what was their experience like? What was the interview process like? Again, it just, it creates that instant camaraderie. Um, the other thing is that we typically do host speaking engagements and, and it's not just at Ryerson, it's a lot of other institutions as well. Um, so identifying subject matter experts that can speak at those events and having them before you're requested to speak. So identifying, hey, Maurice is really good at human resources. We definitely want to bring him into a panel. Um, and it's also looking at the hiring managers and HR people that represent your brand well, that can talk to the culture, the work, the past for, the, for their career development. Uh, and the other thing that I can, I can mention as well is have your job descriptions prepared and ready to post. You want to make sure that they're locked down, that they're ready to go so that if you are at a speaking engagement, that you can reach out to that community. You can say, hey, we have a job posted on your school's job board or we have this job posted on LinkedIn. Those are kind of the, the key tips that I can think of before reaching out to schools and institutions. And, and Maurice, I don't know if you have anything else that you wanted to throw in there. Yeah, I'll just I'll build upon the job posting like a lot of conversation to have with students is actually trying to break down job postings and sometimes it is a bit frustrating for them because this is an entry level role or this is an internship role but they want four years experience so there's definitely a disconnect right and the student's like wait you want four years of experience but you're posting it as an internship or a co-op right so it should be zero years of experience shouldn't it or we've all seen the memes we've all right. seen the memes out right now that's right. like hey four years of experience i yeah. want you to have a rocket science degree and we're gonna pay you Right. So I think, yeah, so with that in mind, like I think like having members of your team review the job postings, right? Maybe some recent hires, right? Have them look over the job postings. Have some of your most recent hires, like go through the recruitment process, right? Remember, as a student who's got deadlines, exams, all these things going on in their lives, maybe they're holding down a part-time job, maybe they're doing volunteering, um, I know with science students, like they're volunteering in a lab, right? Getting ready for exams, holding down a part-time job. Now you want them to go through this like arduous process of like of, of applying, not even interviewing, it's applying. So like maybe reviewing some of those processes to see how friendly they are for students and all, all members of community, right? Because if you can do this for them, it's gonna affect everybody else down the road. And even some of your like A talent, right? If you're like, because right now we're back in that labor crunch right where we're all looking for top talent and a lot of it aren't going to go and, and go through these like one hour uh you know just applying processes right and then i think the other thing to keep in mind um for your listeners is that uh, and and this is something that we work with at, at our, the career and co-op center at our institution is is that we don't view the career journey as a path right it's not a linear path and we view it more of a cycle and we see it you know broken down into four stages right so learn target maintain and review and i think a lot of our employers think that the students that come to these events right are always in that target phase right so i'm always like i know exactly what i'm looking for and therefore i'm here but in reality from our serving of our student population they're actually split pretty evenly between target and learn so they actually want to learn about you they want to learn 
where the degree can take them, right? Because for a lot of our students, it's it's very yes, it is somewhat linear, right? But for the vast majority of them, they're still trying to figure that out. Where can I use these experiences that I've developed in my undergrad? Like, like even even like something that like you know like as as direct as like oh, I got into biology because I want to be a botanist, right? But you know that botanist ten years down the road could change into something completely different, right? They can maybe join your organization as a customer success manager, right? Because they've developed the skills of like complex problem solving and analytical and research, right? But like students really want to learn about like where your organizations can maybe help them grow their careers, right? And how they can support you with the skills that they've developed and how can they apply those? So if you've got a mentorship program, I would lead with that at your institution. Again, Mark mentioned the employer resource groups, especially for our equity-seeking equity uh, students, right? Lead with that, right? Because that's community and instant mentorship for the students to really help them navigate, right? So sometimes it's always, like, it's not always about leading with, like, oh, we've got open positions, join us. It's more about, like, what are we doing to make this world a better place? How are you going to grow your career? How do we want you to help us, you know, really make positive impacts and in the way we do things, right? Um, so I think those are all super critical as well. And please do review job postings. Like, seriously, it is one of those <laughs> things we always talk about. And the students, like, literally were laughing. We're like, oh, yes, this is very frustrating. How do you navigate this? But, yeah. No, awesome tips, Maurice. I mean, it's really always about thinking that you really are working on this success path rather than a career path. So it might take them in a customer service, that botanist, could go into being quality control for a craft brewer or a cannabis grower. No, exactly. 100%. And, you know, and, and I think what is the latest stats from the HRPA or even SHRM in the U.S.? It's like the average person now changes careers seven to 12 times before they retire. And then retirement is something completely different, right? My mom is going into retirement and she's actually opening up a consulting practice, right? So, like, yeah, like these are the kind of, like, this is the kind of labor market that the students are going into. And this is the kind of labor that you can expect, the kind of talent, right? This is talent that knows that, you know, they can, you know, they can shift into different ways, right? They can do the undergrad degree or they can go get like advanced certifications through adult learning through like the Chang School of Adult Learning, right? Um, or continuing education, I should say, right? Or they can do micro credentials, right? And then do more and more and build on their careers moving forward. Awesome. So we've talked about all of these great tips, what to do to be successful in campus recruiting. Any big no-nos, anything kind of to steer clear from when campus recruiting? I'm happy to jump in here. Uh, yeah, there's there's definitely a couple. Um, the, the very first thing that I can say is that it all starts with the job description. If you have a job description that is super bare bones, or if you have a job description that's 12 pages long, I mean, again, we have to remember that we're trying to grab the attention of a student. They're distracted, they're busy, they have lots of things on their plate. So you have to try and find that fine line between descriptive and just enough information to pique their interest. Um, one of the other things we've already kind of touched on already, if we're engaging with students, uh, if there's some sort of an event, for example, we want to make sure that the folks that your listeners are sending these to these events are, are representative of the audience and the environment. So. You know, one of Maurice's favorite words is that we want to avoid the mantle, which is a panel full of men. Um, we also want to make sure that if we are 
you know, trying to engage with uh, an equity-seeking group, for example, if you're coming to a women in tech event, uh, I've actually had some folks that have sent two or three panelists that are all men. So, you know, we want to make sure that we're avoiding that because students will look at that and they want to make sure that they can see themselves on that panel. Um, the other thing that I can say, and this happens a lot, is only hiring from one school. And this is the debate that I know that a lot of HR individuals have with hiring managers. It's that, hey, listen, I only want to hire from one institution because that's my alma mater, or I only want to hire from one institution because we tend to get really good people. When you only hire from one institution, you only get one way of thinking and there's no diversity of thought. So when you hire a Ryerson student, I mean, shameless plug for us, one of the things that we always hear all the time is that our students are really good at learning theory, but they're also really good in applying that theory in, in their their jobs and in the work that they do. So you want to make sure that there's diversity of thought from the educational institutions that are out there. Um, the other thing that I can say, and th this happens quite frequently, is folks will give us extremely short time frames for hiring or posting positions. So, hey, Mark, here's a job description. Um, we were looking to hire for a very specific niche kind of a role. And by the way, this job closes tomorrow. You know, we typically recommend having at least two or three weeks to be able to market that that description. I mean. This is definitely a job seekers market. Uh, a lot of the students that we talk to have options at the end of the day. They have two or three different roles that are in their, their back pocket that they can go to. So we wanna make sure that we have enough time to market those opportunities to our students. Um, the last thing that I would mention on this is that sometimes our employer partners will have rather cumbersome recruitment timeframes, um, processes, asks you know it's everything short of tapping your head and rubbing your stomach at the same time while answering a skill testing question i mean you know we understand that there are processes and procedures in the way that you hire professionals but sometimes those processes and procedures are not necessarily going to be relevant to a student in their hiring process those those are kind of the big ones that i would say are, are probably very very important to keep in mind i'd probably build on on that too just also, Mark touched upon this earlier, but like definitely engaging with your the career centers at the institutions that you're working with, because Mark mentioned this, that some of our, so we operate under a faculty labor model. So what that means is that each faculty has a dedicated career education team. So I support the amazing students in, in the faculty of science, and I know which channels work really well for them. But my colleagues, maybe in community, faculty of community services or creative school, uh, they may have other channels that they engage with students. So really trying to understand from the career center, right? They're they're going to be there to help you navigate the different ways of connecting with students. And so, you know, maybe just to uh, pivot off that is like, don't always assume that students will get the messaging like the same way, right? It's not always like the newsletter or a Facebook group or a posting on a professor's um, class, right? There are multiple channels that, um, your clients and our, and your listeners are going to want to tap into and get to know to see where they can really reach out to those students. So I think using the the career center to help you navigate that because they'll be your partner on that, um, and and they'll have the data and and like we have the data on this, right? We know exactly what works and we know what's what's been not working. And then also they'll also help you with cycles, right? Like 
right now would be the worst time to post a job because we're about to go into the exam period, right? Or right now would be the worst time to hold a virtual event or an on-campus event, right? Because of, you know, the exam period. So working with, with the professionals within the career and co-op centers of the institutions that you're trying to target um, will always help you kind of avoid that and get the most, uh, I guess, the biggest benefit for your, for your time and energy being on campus. Awesome. Fantastic tips, what to steer clear of and what to do. Is there anything impactful that you wanted to share that we haven't talked about today? I think if you if if we haven't convinced you to come onto a campus <laughs> or engage with the career and co-op center, I you know you're more than welcome to reach out to us. But you know, there's some amazing talent on our campuses, uh, some great student talent out there in all of our programs and all of our faculties across this amazing country of ours and across North America. I've had the experience of working across uh, North America and, and, and recruiting talent, and like it, it, sometimes we overlook the fact that we have this amazing talent pipeline and if we invest some time and energy in developing that pipeline because right now we're all talking about where are we finding this talent right and for some of our and some of your listeners the talent might just be in their backyard right and i think sometimes they think that they have to have this like large you know elaborate plan to engage with talent a lot of our students just want that you know kind of human touch to it i know i know a lot of us right now are in the virtual space but you know making time for them to ask questions about not just the particular job but like where this job can take them why it's a great place to work at your institution allowing your like having your your employees like take part in those stories like tenured employees why are you here like what what makes you stay what makes you like get up in the morning come to this role for x amount of years that you're doing and for your new employees like what made you decide to make the move right these are stories that students are going to really enjoy and they will remember that and it'll make you stand out in the recruitment process and it doesn't like it doesn't involve like i think some people always think that the, this requires a big marketing campaign tied to it but it is just about gathering those employee stories and and, and giving everyone a voice in that um I think it's probably one of the biggest things I hope that your listeners take away. Maurice, Mark, how important is it to uh, for employers to participate in things like Canada's top employers, GTA's top employer award programs? Do students look at that? Yes, because I, I send that to them. I do engage with them. Like, like students will like ask me about some of these employer awards, and I like you know like, like we'll break them down and then say you know like this is actually a pretty good sign, right? Um, like some of these are actually voted in by their own employees, right? So, like that is an amazing thing. It's a great start. Um, I know Canada's top 100 employers for young people, so that's usually reserved for like, you know, great campus recruitment events and new grads, right? I think the name's a little bit problematic because to Mark's point about mature learners, there are people going in now. That's why we, that's why I tend to use the term early talent because it could be someone, you know, this is their second or third career, right? So, but yeah, I think with those, um, those types of awards, it does help kind of guide some of the conversations for the student. But for your employer and your listeners, right, like, be prepared to talk about what that means. Like, how are they living those values, right? Because the student will ask, like, I noticed that you're one of Canada's top 100 employers. Tell me about what you did to get there, right? So. I 100% agree. I mean, you know, in this day and age, there's so much information available out there. I mean, you can guarantee that if a student is going to apply for a role at your organization, 
they are going to look up your company. They're going to check out your presence on social. They're going to Google you. They're going to look at things like, do you have any awards? And if those awards are relevant to them. So, you know, there's a lot of awards out there focused on equitable hiring. So that might be something that's very, very important to a student. Uh, there's a lot of awards out there that focus on diversity and inclusion. So, you know, again, if it's not necessarily detrimental if you don't have those awards, but it can't hurt obviously if you do have those awards and that's something that resonates with the student uh, because like i say you can bet dimes the donuts that the students are going to look at you they're going to research you and they're going to try and understand what about this organization resonates with me that would prompt me to potentially apply for a role that you folks have available and mark you just reminded me too right it's not only like the student that looks at this, like one of we, we failed to talk about one of the things I failed to mention is like one of the number one influencers for students is still parents. Right. Mm -hmm. And so parents may also take notice of that. Right. Because they will see right the announcement or there might be a certain amount of pride. Right. For the student to say to their parent that I'm working at one of Canada's top employers or I'm working for an institution or organization that won this. Right. Or the parents themselves may say, hey, have you seen the latest ranking of like top employers and you know, the GTA or, you know, your region of wherever you're listening from, right? Like parents are a massive influencer a lot uh, for a lot of our students um, and early talent uh, as to like, you know, where they should be looking for work. Awesome. Yeah. Great advice. Great advice. Is there, so how can people get a hold of you? So I'm pretty easy to find on the socials, but I'll like, so if, People have direct, like, I'll give you my email. So it's Maurice, M-A-U-R-I-C-E dot Fernandez, F-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-S at Ryerson.ca. Uh, I'm also fairly active on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, um, Instagram. So I'm at, at Mo Recruits on Twitter and Instagram and Maurice Fernandez Ryerson at on LinkedIn. I am less on the social side of the fence, although I am pretty active on LinkedIn. I am a dinosaur that doesn't have Instagram, Facebook. I have a Twitter account, but I can't even remember the password to it. I know that's antiquating and aging me right now, but um, my email address is mark, M-A-R-K dot W-H-I-T-T-E-N at Ryerson.ca. So mark.witten at Ryerson.ca. Uh, happy to chat if anyone has any questions, looking for suggestions on strategy, more than happy to engage with anyone that might have some questions. Fantastic. All right, you guys ready to get into your five favorite things? Sure, let's do it. All right, number one, your favorite tool that helps you get things done. Um, I actually use time blocking along with my calendar and I'll block everything, right? Like projects, presentations, obviously my, my appointment book, but also like things like lunch and going to the gym, right? Because <laughs> it's so important just to kind of, you know, just block that time out so people will respect it and not, uh, not um, uh, set meetings on top of it. It also actually, so when people will see, like, they'll try to block book something with me, it actually forces them to kind of call me or send me a message. And then I get to kind of like, what's this meeting about? Right. And then truly kind of dive into the bones of, do we really need a meeting or is this, I can just answer this question right now. The first concert you ever attended and the best concert you've ever attended. So I've kind of been dreading this question because it's an interesting response. So I am originally from Newfoundland, uh, born and raised there. And Newfoundland was not necessarily a hotbed for entertainers coming in. We were kind of forgotten about on the very east coast of Canada. The very first concert that I ever saw was Vanilla Ice. And the best concert, Mark? 
the best concert would have to be the tragically hip um i've seen them in concert many many times um just very down to earth they put off really really great shows um and they were very very again down to earth when they'd come to newfoundland they would finish the concert they would come down to george street no security no bodyguards hang out with everyone there just have conversations just a really 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 great show the tragically hip come up all the time as the best concert i am not surprised all right mark your favorite piece of advice that you'd give to a young professional starting out favorite piece of advice to a young professional starting out i mean honestly the thing that i would say is just keep your options open i mean there's so many different opportunities and and going back to something that marie said earlier your your career path is not linear you're going to have changes you're going to come up with new things that maybe you're interested in i mean i I studied archaeology in school. I went into enterprise technology sales for 16 years, and now I'm working at a post-secondary institution in the career and co-op center. So keep your options open. Keep your mind open. Look around. Talk to people. Understand what it is that they do. Um, you know, you're not just limited to exactly what your, your degree has traditionally told you that you're going to do. If you're a chemistry student, it does not mean that you're going to be behind a bench pipetting every single day. There's so many different options and so many different career paths that you can potentially take. So, yeah, that would be my, my biggest piece of advice. Just keep your options open. Talk to people. Understand what it is that you can do with your degree. And, again, a shameless plug, talk to your career and co-op center. Folks like Maurice are here to give you great advice. That's what they get paid for. So that's mine. Mark, archaeology, I'm not surprised because you do remind me of that character from Indiana Jones. Not Harrison Ford, but when Sean Connery played his dad. (laughs) I'll take that. I'll take that. I ain't mad at that at all. Maurice, let's wrap it up with your favorite piece of advice that you'd give to a young professional just starting out. Yeah, and so this is actually, I got this advice not too long ago. So I come in mid forties, I got this advice and I it's actually resonated with me quite a bit. Um, it's to find an identity outside of your career. I think sometimes we wrap up, and I think this is for anybody, it doesn't have to be a young professional. I think sometimes we wrap up ourselves so much in our, in our career that if it changes or it, it, it we lose that right we lose a part of ourselves which it really shouldn't be like you're more than just a career education specialist you're more than marketing specialist you're more than a you know an intern or a co-op right so my biggest piece of advice is definitely to develop an identity outside of your career like your career can be part of it don't get me wrong but it shouldn't just be the only thing you should never just introduce yourself oh i'm an hr professional right (laughs) i didn't ask you what your job function was i asked you to tell me about yourself right so now both of you can say that you're podcast guests. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate I'm going to add that. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting it on my LinkedIn profile right yeah, now, actually. as we speak. <laughs> well, gentlemen, Mark, Maurice, I've taken so many notes here. I've just really enjoyed our time together. Thanks so much for coming on the Insights at Work podcast. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you for having us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And with that, it looks like we've run out of racetrack. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. If you've enjoyed it, please share it with your friends and colleagues so they can benefit from it as well. If you find the Insights at Work podcast worthy, please go on to iTunes and give us a cool rating with a nice review. We certainly appreciate it. And if there's something that you would like me to discuss around this big world of HR and all things business, give me a shout. You know how to reach me on social media or through LinkedIn. In the meantime, stay healthy and be kind. 
We'll see you soon on the next episode of the Insights at Work podcast.